are listening to Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show about books, people who read, and how reading at its very best is a social experience. Whether it be a book club, a poetry slam, or the production of a play, words are meant to be shared. There is the old philosophical question. If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound? Likewise, if you read a book and don't discuss it, have you enjoyed all the perks of being a book lover? I'm your host, Amy. I've been a member of numerous book clubs over the last 25 years and started quite a few. I love asking people what they're reading so that they'll ask me the same. I'm a vintage bookseller, a traveler wannabe, and a fanatic about dogs. And I'm your host, Carrie. I'm an English teacher, a freelance writer, a blogger, and the person whose Instagram feed features more photos of my cats than my kids. Each week, we will talk with a guest who shares the love of reading, how they impart that passion, and what books really catch them on fire. We will also tell you about our literary lives, what books are on our nightstands, and other bookish fun. Welcome. Today on the show, we talk with Kim Esposito, a pianist who owns and teaches at the Children's Music Academy, which offers music lessons for young children. She's been with the same book club, the Yaya's, for almost 20 years. She tells us how sharing books can help you form a strong, lifelong friendships, why finding your voice and rediscovering your identity is so important as you get older, and we discuss whether symbolism in books is, quote, a real thing. There's a lot of laughter in the studio this week on Perks. You're listening to Perks of Being a Book Lover. This is Carrie, and we had a little change of plans today. We were supposed to be in the studio, but there was a snafu with the keys, so we're in the closet today. And <laughs> This is where we started, this, in the closet. Yes, back in the closet. So we're here with our guest. Her name is Kim Esposito, and she has been a member of a book club locally for a very long time. So we're going to be asking Kim some questions today and about her shared reading with her book club. So Kim, tell us a little bit about your book club, how it started, who's in it, all that good stuff. Okay, gosh, it's been 2000 is when we started. And that was shortly after we moved here, and I was invited by a friend in the neighborhood whose husband also worked at the same place my husband did, which is why we moved here to begin with. So I'm forever thankful for her inviting us to be all a part of everything. And gosh, who was in it? It's kind of changed over the years because people have moved away and other people have joined in. There was a core of us. We have... Uh, How many total are in your um, book club? Gosh, there's, well, let me do it this way. There's eight of us right now. One of them has taken a break for the summer, and one of them has moved away, but she still calls in and we FaceTime with her when we can, and sometimes she's in the area, so she comes whenever she can. So, so eight total, but mm-hmm. really six kind plus of, one who calls in. Right. Right. That's that's still pretty. That's a pretty yeah. But small over the but years, nice size group. there's been like we've probably it's probably been around eight still. Has it ever been around. bigger than that or smaller than that? Well, yeah. Sometimes when people can't show up, that's it's interesting because when we were all much younger, <laughs> um, twenty years we've been doing yeah. this pretty much. We always thought it was interesting because of course we all just lived for book club because it was our mommy's night out kind of thing. And um, now it's actually interesting because we're finding it more difficult now because kids are graduating from college or high school or getting married or 
you know, so sometimes we're having a harder time scheduling our time together. So uh, we had one instance where there was only three of us at, at a book club that showed up. Other people had read it, but just we had to reschedule and this and that. And so unfortunately, but we still had fun. There, yeah, there was still wine there. So are those eight people sort of the core people who've been together for 20 years or has Pretty that changed? Much. There's there was a couple new ones that we added in to kind of fill out because, you know, there at any given time, someone can be sick or whatever. So you want to have you want to have a good group because you want to have a good discussion. And also we um, feed each other. So we take turns. We're at each other's house. So whoever chose the book that month hosts. So we have a meal and wine and we sit around and of course we're all like oh what's happened this last month with you blah 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 and we catch up and then we kind of get right into the book and ask questions and discussion and all of that is there a certain uh genre of books that you all read or is it just kind of a free-for-all whatever each hostess chooses mm-hmm. there is no certain genre we read everything and i will say that there have been many times were it not for book club, I would not have finished the book because it wasn't really my favorite. But after finishing and then having the discussion, I'm like, oh, wow, I actually really liked that book now, which is interesting because, you know, a lot of times it takes a really long time to get into it, like like halfway through, which is for me interesting because I would think you were supposed to catch somebody right away. and So it forced but, you to finish, and then a lot of times that, that paid off. Exactly. 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 And also, I found, like, uh, what is it? The sun also rises, I think. You know, to, to the person who's not, like, a literary professor or anything like that, um, <laughs> let, let me back up one little bit. The first meeting that I went to, there was a gal that was... A, a literature professor <laughs> and I think this what was the book that we were reading I can look on here Song of Solomon I think it was and she we were into the discussions and she was like comparing something to I think it was Homer's Odyssey or whatever and I was like oh my gosh like <laughs> like, like wait oh we have to be prepared like this and I was like whoa you know <laughs> That yeah. Then then I learned it was just okay to say whatever you were thinking, and it, it you know there was not this big high expectation of you know super interesting discussions. Did she leave the book club shortly thereafter? She did. She moved back to Canada, I think. So yeah. So it wasn't the lack of uh, heady discussion that did it. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that was not my fault. So if there's only eight of you. Then, and you host. So do some people then host twice in a year? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just whenever your whenever your time comes up and and does the know. person who hosts pick the book mm-hmm. or how do you pick the book? Yes, yeah. whoever hosts picks the book. So it started out, and I still pretty much do this. It started out that you just picked a book and you didn't. You would be reading it for the first time also. So it wasn't necessarily a favorite. That you wanted to share but sometimes we do that also but now sometimes people kind of read ahead of and say oh we thought this would be a good one for discussion but I like to just read it for the first time too because I don't always know 
That's actually I, that's the way I prefer to do it. I always yeah. want to read new things. And, right. Unless it's something that I just read that's very fresh in my mind, I always prefer to pick something new. You know, there's right. pros and cons to that. The pros are it's new and to you, but the cons are that you don't know if it's going to be any good and if it's really going to make a good discussion. Right, right. And interestingly enough, and I, I think I want to talk to my um, group about doing this. Uh, we were at a wedding a couple weekends ago, and the friends that we were driving with, she's also in a book club. And she, they live up by Cincinnati, and we were talking about what we were reading and all this stuff. And she was telling me how they do it, and they rate their books. So between one and five, five being the highest. And then she said what they started doing was rating them before and after the discussion, which I thought was brilliant. Oh, because that's a she, great idea. Much like what I just said. Many times you're reading it and you're like, eh, but then after the whole discussion and you're hearing others' views and like, oh gosh, I never looked at it that way before. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part, you know, and then it totally changes your mind. So I thought that was really brilliant. So I was going to talk to my I love that about idea. doing that. Because yeah. I do think that a lot of times you get enough out of a book but, I mean, that's partly what this whole podcast is about, is when you share it, you get so many more viewpoints on it, yes. and it makes the experience so much richer. Yes. Our absolutely. book club recently read A Simple Favor, and I can't remember the author, but that'll be in our show Darcy notes. Bell. Darcy Bell. And I did not like the book at all. But I will say that after talking about it with the book club, I did... Not that I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to go back and change my Goodreads rating on it, but I did develop a, a little more of an appreciation for it. Things that I had not considered, I was like, oh, well, maybe that was the point of it being written in the way it was written. Something that irritated me when I read it by myself, my book club or our book club made me think, oh, well, maybe this was the purpose of that. It wasn't just to be irritating there was a purpose behind it so I do think that 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 can sort of change your appreciation level absolutely I was starting to tell you about a sun also rises when we read that of course you know acclaimed book and author and all this and I'm reading it and it's you know get drunk go to the bullfight wash repeat (laughs) repeat. and I'm just like really like in my mind, I thought I was a, my expectation was this wonderful thing, and I I that was probably my least favorite. But again, in the discussion, they were talking about all the symbolism and yada yada, <laughs> and then my my take on it was really. Like, do you honestly think he was thinking of all of this symbolism when he was writing this? Because that's really a lot. And that was just, I'm going to be honest, that was way over my head to to believe that hook, line, and sinker. Because I kind of feel like after the fact, when you're reading things and, you know, all the... The analysis. Yes, the, like the, mm-hmm. you know, the critics and all of that mm-hmm. kind of thing and their take on things and... I'm just like, wow. <laughs> well, I do think there are certain things that sort of have a, I, I mean, you can think of anything, like a train. I mean, a train, just because it's a train, can symbolize a journey. So even if even if the author didn't consciously think that, by having a train or by having people travel on a train during the course of a book, to readers, a lot of times, that's going to that's gonna have a symbolic emphasis 
just because that's what we think of. We think of going on a journey. And then we get further into, well, what does the journey mean? And so I, I do think, you know, a lot of times, even if an author doesn't consciously think, I am putting this train in the book because, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where I think that the the analysis or the story actually happens between the reader in the book as opposed to the author in the book. That's a very good point. Uh, no, I agree. And when you were talking about that, do you know what popped in my mind was we read Orphan Train. We read Have that you guys one too. Read that mm-hmm. one, and that as you were talking, that kind of made me think because they were, I mean, literally on a journey, but throughout the whole book and how, you know, how their lives changed and then came back together and all that was an amazing journey. So very good. See, see the discussion (laughs) sparking me. There we go. Or is it the wine? I don't know. So as far as, as your group, what's the demographic like? Are you all similar ages? Yeah, we're all old now. Okay. Um, (laughs) No. When we started, we were, you know, we were young moms, probably like in our 30s and 40s. And now we are 50s and 60s. So kind of going through similar things at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like over time, the books that you choose have been different? I mean, I know you said that it used to be you would always pick things that were new Sometimes now you pick things that you've read, but as far as like the types of books that you read. No, I think it's still really varied, which I love. I love that. We have done, oh gosh, a lot of historical fiction. We've done a lot of memoirs. I mean. Do you read much nonfiction? Yeah, like we did uh, Tipping Point and Blink and like the Malcolm Gladwell Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, which was also extremely fascinating to discuss because, you know, all of that stuff. How do you make your decision and what sticks out to you? And, uh, you know, really very, very interesting and fun. Yeah, we've done poems. We've done... um, That is something that ours has never done is poetry. Science fiction. I mean, honestly, we... You've done it all. We do all kinds of things, which I love. To to say that these gals are such a big part of each other's life is just such a understatement, I guess. We have been through so many things, and I do believe at that time is when my dad was passing away. So we were we have lost um, we have lost spouses. We have had babies. We have married, <laughs> newly married. We have had children marry. We have lost parents. We have lost siblings. But we're always together lifting each other up. So, I mean, it's we've gone through a lot <laughs> together. So When your book club started, would you, were you all close at that time? Or is it something no, that developed? I was... I was brand new. I moved into the area, so I knew none of these gals. Um, some of them had, they were living in the neighborhood together, so they were neighborhood friends. It makes me think, I feel like our personal book club is a tight-knit group, and I wonder if it had been a knitting club, or a painting club, or a bridge club, or what have you, do you think that, I guess that's too hard to say, that's too hypothetical. But I wonder if there's something about a book club. We'll that get makes a bunch you... of emails from all the knitting clubs <laughs> and the Funko clubs that say, "Yes, we're just as close as the book clubs are." I well, just, I, I wonder. Mean, 
Bunko. So, I mean, and Bunko is fun, but Bunko doesn't really allow you the deep discussion because you're always moving to a different table and all that. Super fun, though. Super fun, though, Bunko people. (laughs) But, I mean, like, as far as, I would say, as far as deep conversation, not on the same level. Well, I do think, I mean, if you think about it, you know, you read a book and many books, they, they essentially touch your soul. And so then when you discuss those books with people, you end up, whether you intend to or not, but you you end up either sharing things that then make you closer to the people you're with, or you've sort of tapped into a, a vulnerability, I guess, that maybe you aren't going to get when you um, play tennis. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't play tennis, so I don't know. But I, I feel like there is a certain amount of vulnerability that comes with a book club that may not be apparent in other in other activities. I would agree with that. As long as it's one that allows you to be safe mm-hmm. in that vulnerability. Because if not, then you don't feel good about sharing your view that you know somebody else isn't going to share. Right. I mean, that's I another thing that I think was really good in ours is that you, I did anyway, always felt good about voicing my thoughts, even if they may be different than someone else's. And then it would always be refreshing then to hear theirs and like, oh, yeah. I mean, I just, I think that's what's key. And if you don't have that, I think it totally squelches your discussion. I would, I, mean, I would totally agree with that. I think you're spot on about that. But, I, yeah, I definitely think there's something about the book club because you're talking a lot of times about existential issues or things that everybody deals with and then expressing your thoughts or opinions about the way the book dealt with it. I think it develops a relationship that you don't necessarily find in any other group. Do you have any rules or guidelines about, like, how long the book can be or... No. No. (laughs) No. Sometimes we read some honking big books. (laughs) And then other times they'll be, you know, just little short ones. And, And it's not per planning this, but sometimes there'll be some really heavy ones all together. And then I'll be like, okay, we're ready for a, a lighter, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lighter read. And maybe December when everybody's crazy busy, we might pick a lighter book just because it's, it's Christmas and everybody's crazy and busy and all that. Um, sometimes in the summer too, just because people are vacationing and all that. So we're just trying to be kind to schedules and all that. So is there a is there a certain book that just pops out um, to you as being some a book that most people in the book club really enjoyed? Do Do you have any like that? Yes. Oh gosh, we have so many like that. But one one that you were you were asking me like a favorite one that we just like within the last year, I would say something like Happy by Eva Wood. Have you guys read? I've this never one? heard of that. Oh, you guys, it's a must read. I feel like, in fact, a super great quote from this book. It says, it's simple, really. You're just meant to do one thing every day that makes you happy. Could be little things, could be big. In fact, we're doing one right now. Isn't that amazing? It is. Is it a nonfiction book or is it It, fiction? What is it? It's about 
a gal who is kind of in a depressed mode and she's kind of had a rough time, a rough way to go. And she's not really, she's doing as little as possible. Like she goes to work, she comes home, she visits her mom in the hospital. And she, while she's in the hospital, she meets this gal who is full of life and all this. And they, they just meet happenstance. And this gal makes it her mission to make this girl start living her life for the fullest. I don't want to tell you too much because mm-hmm. there's a lot more to it. But then it becomes like 100 days of happy. Like So it's just, it's amazing. Uh, some of the subject matters is heavy but funny at the same time. But, oh gosh, we all loved this book. It was really, really good. So I would totally recommend that one. I'm excited to hear about a book I've never <laughs> heard about before. Yes, and it's not, it's not crazy you know, big or anything or thick, but it's, it's a great read. Great read. Eva Woods. So Kim, has there been a book that maybe you or multiple members of the book club didn't love, but it ends up having a funny story or you remember it for some reason? (laughs) There is. Um, Lucretia Borgia. Oh my goodness. We were all complaining about that one because it was huge and it was, you know, this big historic thing and kind of hard to follow because it was like all of her, her family and it was, you know, but very interesting, but oh my goodness, from henceforth, she pops up everywhere and we get the biggest kick out of we're like oh there was a reference to lucretia and they're like oh my gosh no way and i mean all the time so it That's sounds funny. like lucretia needs to maybe be the honorary book club member yeah maybe so maybe so <laughs> that is funny oh my gosh lady chatterley's lover was kind of a ugh, that was kind of a, a rough one you know, because we thought, oh, you know, we're reading a banned book. I mean, we've actually read a few banned books, but that one was, that one was, I, I won't get into detail. It was just a little much. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so I've never read that. So it, so it really did live up to the hype of being kind of racy? Well, yes, but maybe not in the way you think. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't really feel comfortable saying <laughs> They're like, I'm here. I'll tell you ladies when we cut. I'm, I'm curious, now that we're talking about racy books, mm-hmm. did your book club ever read any of the Fifty Shades of Grey books? We did not. We did not. Well, consider yourselves lucky. Because <laughs> our did. book club did. And it was the best attended book club yes. ever. Yes, it was. Oh, my gosh. Um, one of the questions I had was... Because you've talked about some of these books, you said that they were like tomes. They were really big books. So is everybody in the book club pretty receptive to books, no matter the size? Or do you have people who just refuse to read the book just because it's so long? No, I think, I think Amy, were you asking me if there were rules to yes, our book club? Yes. I think really the only rule that we have, and I don't, it's not written it down anywhere, but it's just kind of an expectation that we we have read it and are prepared not to say that sometimes we're not like we're almost done and we're on the last chapter don't tell me what happened and you know we're reading on the way to book club like because we carpool a lot so I mean nobody talk about it while we're while we're on the ride um not to say that that doesn't happen but it's just an expectation that we all do it if we have a monster book 
we um, a lot of times will go, you know, maybe six weeks out instead of four weeks or whatever, just to. So you're more you know. flexible with your meeting times then if right. you have a bigger book. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So you're so, not one of those book clubs that's mainly about the wine and the social part and no one bothers oh, to read the book. No, don't mistake. That's absolutely a part of it. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, but we we really love the discussion. This is kind of funny. When I when we first started or when I first moved there and, and we had been doing book club or I had been doing book club for a while, for me this was the first time really that I was getting out and having mommy time and having a voice truly and a voice that other people were like, Oh, wow. And it, it was very empowering for me to have somebody listen to my thoughts and think that they were worth something. So it was a really big deal. Like I really wanted to go and I would talk about it all the time. And some of my other friends in the neighborhood were, um, you know, they were like, Oh, we want to start a book club. So we started a neighborhood book club you know, whoever wants to come, it doesn't matter if you read the book. And one time somebody picked a magazine. And I'm like, so, I mean, I was in two book clubs at that point. So I'm trying to read two and having the same, you know, stick to itiveness that I'm going to make sure I read. And then I was kind of, you know, you all aren't serious about this. And then we weren't discussing, we were discussing, you know, oh, what happened to you this month or whatever, which is great. And if you want to have mom's night out, that's awesome. But I had found myself really missing what we had in my first book club, which, which was, you know, I guess it was being intellectual. Who, who knew that? <laughs> but, um, like, but I mean, I really missed that part of it. And, you know, not that I didn't enjoy seeing all my other friends, but it was just like, let's ju let's just call that what it is. And then we just won't put the book stuff in there. <laughs> so, I mean, this is just my own idea. But do you, do you feel like because, you know, as you've gotten older, you've been in this book club for close to 20 years. You know, they say like in, in film that what you hear older female actors talk about how there's not as many parts for them, that things aren't written for women. I mean, it, in some ways, I, I could see that in just with getting older, it's just as important now to have a voice and to be able to share that voice as it was when you were younger and your children were sort of sucking all your energy. Do you feel like that's the case now, even as you, you know, even though you don't have little kids who are needing you all the time? Yes, I absolutely feel that way, maybe even more so because now in in our lives as we're older all of those things that were so important like our kids and all that that were sucking all of our energy and all that in a good way let me say you know that was such a big part of your life and now you're learning how to how to be you again and so it's absolutely important that you have your voice especially now I feel like almost like rediscovering who you are absolutely yes well said. Well said, my dear. <laughs> so what if somebody, you know, if you met somebody on the street and they said, uh, what did, you know, I'm getting ready to start a book club. What should I do? What advice would you give to somebody who's considering starting a book club based on your years of experience in a book club? Number one, go for it. Number two, make sure the people that you are doing this with are as invested in it as you are. Number three, make sure that uh, that you are offering a safe place for discussion, meaning that if somebody differs 
from you or you want to have not a heated discussion, but an interesting discussion. If you aren't offering a safe place, that's never going to happen. And then it's, it's just going to be boring. Who wants that? Those are, those are pretty good suggestions. Is there anything about your book club that you think is unique from any other? And do you have a name? Does your book club have a name? We do have a name. I love this. We are the Yaya's. <laughs> <laughs> After the Yaya Sisterhood, of course. Oh, um, okay. That was, one of our, that was one of our early reads. We loved that book. Yeah, so we are, we are Yaya's. Hmm. I mean, other than the fact that we've been together for so long, yeah. maybe... That would probably be it. We're old. <laughs> We're old and we still love each other. So there you go. <laughs> We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk with Kim about what she's reading right now. And then Amy and I will chime in too. been a exciting discussion and we're going to move on to what we're reading now Carrie what are you reading so lately I've had a bit of we've been dealing with a lot of illness and death in our family so I don't know where I heard about this book but it's a book by C.S. Lewis who you've probably heard of because he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and the Screwtape Letters and this book is called A Grief Observed. So it has a foreword by Madeline Langle, and it's about how he deals with the death of his wife. And it's very short. It's like 76 pages. And again, I don't even remember now where I heard of this book, but my local library had it. And so I picked it up and I finished it in a day. And it was it was interesting uh, for a lot of reasons. Number one, I didn't realize that he had been married and the whole story of his wife's illness. So I sort of went down a rabbit hole with that. So that kept me busy for a while. And then just reading about his experience, the way it's laid out, you sort of get the first segment, which is like his initial grief. And then you get the sense that the second segment of the book, he's had a little bit of time to process. And then I believe there's a third section of the book. And so you sort of see his progression and the questions he's asking. One of the things that I most liked about it, he was, he had a lot of faith. He was a Christian. He wrote about his faith in a number of his books. And so what I appreciated was the fact that he was asking the kind of questions and having the kind of feelings that I feel like me as a person who struggles with faith would ask. And so that sort of made me feel better about my own questions that I have about death and about grief and what happens afterwards. So I feel like it's a good book. You know, I like I said, my family's been dealing with some things. And it's not that I'm, you know, completely a basket case with tears and all that stuff. But I do think it, it's a, a book that deals with a lot of those existential questions. Did you feel like it helped you in some way? That it, I do. Yeah. yeah, I do. I mean, just again, to feel like there's, I mean, sometimes I think with, with grief and I, I call it mortality reckoning, just, you know, knowing that I'm not going to be here forever. My parents and my family's not going to be here forever. Sometimes I think just knowing that other people experience this, like on the one hand, you know that it's obvious everybody deals with it, but to read someone's 
very private thoughts, sort of those things that go through his head that he wrote down that also go through my head. It just makes you feel not alone. And so I feel like that's valuable in itself. In itself. Yeah. So have you read Joan Didion's A Year of Magical Thinking? Yes, I okay. have. I yes. actually haven't read it, but I know that that's sort of what that book's about. How yes. would you compare those two? Um, I mean, they are similar, you know, and they're both about losing. Uh, she lost her husband. Um, now, the difference, and one of the things that Madeline Lengel talks about in her introduction to the C.S. Lewis book, he was not with his wife for very long. So they they got married he knew she was ill and then she had a brief remission and then she died so it was one it wasn't a situation where they had been married for 25 or 30 or 40 years and Joan Didion had been she had been with her husband for a very long time so the circumstances of their relationship i mean that's going to change your grief yeah, a little bit right, you know if you've right. been with somebody for half your life or most of your life and then they die as opposed to being with somebody and getting a little reprieve with their health and then it's taken away and she talked about that in her intro and so I I do think that that again it changes the grief but the feelings of grief don't really change the that feeling of loss and and he compares it to uh fear that you he never realized how much grief feels like fear. Mm -hmm. And so I, I thought that was really interesting. It just, I, I think this is a book that would be beneficial whether you've experienced grief or not. So Amy, what are you reading? <laughs> well, as you know, I've been on a little bit of an American Southwest kick. And as sort of an extension of that, I've become interested in some Native American authors. So the last book I finished was called There There by Tommy Orange. It came out last summer, 2018, and it was a made a big splash. This is his debut novel. And he is part Cheyenne, part Arapaho, sorry. Yeah. Yes. As Carrie knows, I'm not always the best at saying <laughs> a, a difficult word the first time around. She's my linguist over there. The story is about a powwow that's going to happen in Oakland, California at the Coliseum. There are 12 characters, and in the beginning of the book, he gives you sort of a list and a description of all those different characters. And each chapter is from one of those characters' points of view. And all of those characters are sort of making this journey. Now, when I say journey, I don't necessarily mean they're coming from across the country. They could be, live in another part of Oakland, or they could be on a different journey as far as knowing who they are as a Native American. Because a lot of the characters in this book might only be part Native American and maybe don't know a lot about their history. All of these characters are on a journey that is pulling them towards this powwow. For most of the characters, their lives are connected in some way, but they may not know it at that time. A lot of the book is about how being an, an urban Native American, they may not know their heritage, and that has a way of making them feel isolated. So it talks a little bit about there was a government program back in the 1950s called the American Indian uh, Relocation Program. So the point of this program was to take 
Native Americans who were living in mostly rural areas on reservations, and they thought that they would have a better chance of, of uh, being more prosperous if they moved to the to the inner cities. So they had these programs in, in urban areas all around the country, and they had promised that they would give them a certain amount of money, they would put them up in a home, and um, different things. Well, a lot of those promises didn't really pan out. And a lot of times those Native Americans, when they got to the city, they were removed from their Native culture. Um, they were in a setting where they didn't really have a lot of skills to be able to get the kind of job that would make them successful. So there's just been a crisis of identity in all sorts of, of ways. I really did enjoy this book. It's probably one of my top books of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, the, for the first half, I enjoyed it, but I was thinking, I, I'm not enjoying this as much as I thought that I might. But in the last, I'd say, quarter of the book, it sped up and it really came together. And then I was, I just really, really liked it. Uh, so I would, I would recommend it. It's a little gritty. So, you know, you have to be prepared for that. And there are some uh, disturbing situations that go on but um it was touching i thought so now i know i think it was last year you read and they were for book club you had mm, suggested yes. them mm-hmm. uh, what sherman was it? alexi yes mm-hmm. a part-time indian yes mm-hmm. so how would you compare now i know those are different because those were set on mm-hmm. sort of like uh, reservation lands, mm-hmm. but how would you compare? I mean, or is there a comparison? You know, just because they're written by Native Americans well, doesn't mean they're all the same. So. The Sherman Alexie books were middle grade or young adult, and uh, well, the one that I read, the part time Indian, it had sort of a there was a little bit of humor, self deprecating humor that was in it that you didn't really find in the in the there there. And I'm not saying there weren't any moments that were kind of humorous in there there, but not in the way that there was in the part-time Indian. It, I would say that all the Native American literature I've read, there's just a sadness to them. And who can blame them? I mean, their land was sort of taken away. They were sent to these lands that weren't theirs. And then in places that the land wasn't good to grow crops. I mean, it's just a really, it's a really tragic part of our history. A lot of times you find that same kind of sadness a lot of time in African-American literature as well. So I was in Santa Fe, as you know, for vacation a few weeks ago, and there is a Native American college there. I didn't even know there were Native American colleges, but there are. There's one in Santa Fe, and he graduated from the writing program there, as did the new Native American uh, Poet Laureate of the United States, Joy Harjo. She graduated from there as well. So there's that connection. Kim, what have you been What's been on your nightstand? What well, have you been reading? We have just finished um, Mr. Churchill's Secretary, which I feel, gosh, like you gave such a nice, both of you, wonderful summaries. I was not prepared for this one. Oh. <laughs> so it's about this young gal who, she's American, but she is back in England to sell her grandmother's home that she inherited when she passed away. And it's around the time of um, the war with Nazi Germany. Before, like right before they started bombing England. And she kind of falls in love with England and she ends up staying there. And she gets a job with the, the government there as a typist. And then 
for some reason or another gets to be Churchill's Churchill's personal typist and transcription. And it's it's just like she's got a lot of characters that are in her life that and it's kind of a mystery that's all enraptured. So I mean it there's a lot of stuff that's going on, but it is a page turner and it's it's good. It's a historical fiction. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But also has a mystery to it. Yes. And who's the author? The author is Novel by Susan Elia McNeil. That's who. That's who the writer is. She chose this because it was a kit from the library. Yes. And sometimes we try and do that so we don't have to buy the books and all that. So there's been a lot of those that we that we have done. So it's it was a really good one. I'm glad yeah. to hear there are other groups who use them because yeah. we utilize them. Yeah. We don't pick one specifically because it's on there, right? But I always look and see if it's right. available. And sometimes they're kind of like, eh. But this one was really good. So I'm curious, since you brought up Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. have you seen The Darkest Hour? No. That's a movie okay. about Winston Churchill and the British government's decision to enter the war. And in that movie, there is a, a female typist. Really? And so when yeah. you were talking about this book, really? it made me wonder what what the historical basis is and if there's a connection. Right. So I'd be curious. At the end of the book, there was a lot of typists that they were they had done some stories. So there's quite a few that were his secretaries that okay. have done stories. So it could have been any of them. But uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting is that it also brought in the was it the Irish factor where they were like doing some bombing as well because they they were hoping that Germany was going to come in and just decimate England and so yeah I mean in the book I don't know if that's I don't know if that's That's historically or whatever but so there was that whole thing going on as well besides all the air raids and all that kind of stuff so it was that was interesting well your your group might want to try watching that movie because we saw it and it was very good and it might add some I don't know, some texture yeah. to your... You're gonna, I'm going to have to write that down yeah. so we can... Because we haven't met It'll be yet. on the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> I will check them out. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get Kim's top five. Amy and I are back in the closet with Kim Esposito, who is the owner and teacher at Children's Music Academy, CMA. It's on Facebook, and you can find her there, and she's excellent. (laughs) But she's going to give us, she's been talking with us today about her book club, but she's now going to discuss her top five. So Kim, since you are a music teacher, who or what is your top musician or band? I think I know the answer. I'm sure you're going to know the answer. I am going to have to say my son, (laughs) White Reaper lead singer, Tony Esposito. There he is. So he's in a local band. He is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is he is he a singer, a, a guitar player? He is the player? singer, guitar player, songwriter, yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and, and so he, go ahead and brag. They, they've I had some 
they've had they've had some some good things happening. They um, just released their latest single, uh, the first one with Electra Records. Oh wow! And they are they will be here at Bourbon and Beyond, and they will be here at Louder Than Life. Does he live and locally here, or does he? He live? does. Okay, yeah, he does. Um, and so yeah, besides him. I would say being an '80s gal, you know. Yeah, well, I love the '80s. You know, like who doesn't? But you all are young, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, Journey's always good. Little Bruce Springsteen's always good. My husband is a huge Bruce fan, coming from New Jersey. So, did either of you happen to see the Bruce Springsteen Broadway show that was up there? We did not. We yeah. did not. But uh-huh. we saw him when he was here. Oh, last. cool. So, yeah. So, he's he's pretty amazing. So, my so, question would be, what is your top book to film or, or TV series adaptation? Oh, gosh. That is so hard because there's so many. I have to say The Help is an amazing film adaption because it was really close to the book. And I thought that book was fantastic. I don't know if you guys read Handmaid's Tale, but mm-hmm. me personally, that's pretty good. But it's, I don't know. Some of it doesn't really follow so much. Mm-hmm. But have you all read Big Little Lies? Yes. <gasps> okay. That series was, that was awesome, too. So, I mean, gosh, there's just so much. Memoirs of a Geisha. That one, I was glad that I read the book before I saw, but I thought it was, I mean, some of them are just so big. The Harry Potters. I mean, right. gosh, there's, so there's many. just so many that are so well done. And to, to encapture J.K. Rowling's imagination in the Harry Potters, I think is quite amazing how they do that. So do you have a top local restaurant? <laughs> okay, so. My husband and I are plant-based eaters, so Mexican is kind of a really safe one for us. So one that we uh, frequent quite often is Fiesta Time because it's right down the road from us. But we have started going to Havana Rumba. Have you guys ever been there? They have some yummy stuff for us. So, um, yeah. They make very strong margaritas. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Havana Rumba is one of our our favorites, actually. That's our go-to. If we don't have somewhere else that we're like it's dying to go to, so we just good. go to Havana Rumba. It is so good. What is your top concert that you've ever seen? Well, of course, White Reaper's kind of fun. <laughs> um, I'm actually bringing my mom to their concert on Saturday. They're showing. They're doing a show at Headliners, and my 80-year-old mama, rock and roll Grammy, <laughs> is coming to the show. That's so awesome. there we go. That's great. <laughs> um, I will tell you probably for me, one of the most awesome was just because of being a pianist was seeing Billy Joel and Elton John together at OSU Stadium. Um, That was incredible just because, oh my gosh, like, I mean, that was amazing. And then we've seen Bruce a lot. Bruce was my first concert, so it's kind of hard to, he is just unbelievably amazing. So, I mean, you can't. You can't really have a better show than Bruce Springsteen. So, yeah. Mm. Well, I have an answer to this one. You might have gone to this, Carrie. I don't know. So back in 2007, the police did a reunion <gasps> concert. No, oh. it wasn't you. Okay. <laughs> and there Fine. was a group of about five of us, and we all crammed into my minivan <gasps> and, oh my and drove to the concert. Fun. And it was just, it was just an amazing 
concert. So I did not go to a lot of concerts in my teenage years. My parents were pretty strict. It wasn't that I couldn't listen to the music. They were too scared for me to go to the concerts. I think they thought there was a lot of bad stuff. And there might have been a lot of bad stuff. Regardless, I did not go. So it was really fun as an adult to go, although it was a, a, a weird dynamic driving there with five people in my minivan. But it was it was quite it was quite dreamy. I I just I had a newborn in 2007. So I know okay, for a fact that it wasn't you. Me. Okay, yeah. it wasn't you. Yeah. So I actually have I'd like to chime in on this one too because my favorite uh concert memory is I was in Ireland in when I was 19. So I I went on this 10 week trip. It was through uh, Bellarmine. And I went on this trip to England, Ireland and Wales. And so our professor was very much he, he didn't want us to do anything American. And I don't think he actually wanted us to have fun either. Because (laughs) he lost his mind when we got concert tickets to we were in Dublin. And one of the guys in our group got us all concert tickets to see Peter Gabriel in concert in Dublin. No way. And so what made this, I mean, it was amazing. And you could tell that we were Americans because everybody else was, you know, like pretty subdued. And the Americans were losing their minds. (laughs) There was a, a group of us. Well, what made this, it was a fantastic concert. But what made it even better is that Sinead O'Connor came out on stage oh and performed with him and you too was in the audience. Oh, So no, I'm no. like, how much more Irish can this possibly get? But the, the professor was a little bit uh, peeved at us. But it was a fantastic concert. And it was totally worth it. And it oh was totally gosh. worth, Absolutely. yeah, the professor being ticked off Oh at us. my gosh. Absolutely. Wow. So, Kim, do you have a top song? A favorite song. I have a feeling oh, it's gosh. either going to be White Reaper or well, Springsteen. I do, I do have, I do love White Reaper songs, but there's, there's, have you guys seen The Greatest Showman? Mm-hmm. Okay. The, this is me. Mm-hmm. Love that song and the message that it sends out. I love that song. So that's a, that's a movie. It's a, yeah, it's a movie musical. Yeah. Okay. So, but it's, um, it's amazing. Just, you know. Just because talking about the people that look a little different and just because I look different doesn't mean that I don't have something to offer and it's just awesome. But other than that, yes, there would be, um, you know, might be right, new single, White Reaper, very good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just saying. Um, He he needs to give you a kickback. Right. (laughs) The mom kickback. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, Kim, it has been so great to have you here today. It has been a lot of fun. She was she was down with us going in the closet and having a glass of wine while we talk about books. Can't get better Very than that. fun, you guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today. We're under construction and currently switching sites for our webpage. But for now, for show notes for any episode, you can find them at our current blog site. The address is a little long to say, but you can find it on our Facebook page or by Googling Perks of Being a Book Lover. Follow us on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover and on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to and when new episodes air. And if you are a member of a book club or are sharing reading in some way and would like to be a guest, please contact us at any of these sites as well. You can also leave a message on our Perks line at 502-509-7736. 
we always want to hear from fellow readers. A huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots, community-based radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org, Spotify, Podbean, and SoundCloud.